Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. On Easter Sunday, we began a series of messages called Blindsided. And we've been looking at the challenges in life that sort of sneak up on us, creep up on us, areas that hit us unexpectedly, and areas like cynicism. It's, before you know it, it's, it's easy to become cynical. As you do life, as you go through life interacting with people, it's very easy to grow uh, hard towards people and, and sort of build a wall between us and the world. Uh, disconnection is another area we looked at. We've looked at the area of pride. This morning we're going to look at what does it look like to be blindsided by emptiness? Emptiness. And this is really us looking at the issue of purpose. What gives us purpose? What gives us meaning in life? And will I experience that? Now, America is known as, as this. America is known as the land of opportunity. And so a lot of people come in order to pursue uh, their dreams. And most of us have been stewing in this ideology since we were really young. This idea that you can, you can do anything, you just set your mind and dream big. And, and so we've been stewing in this and it's dripped all over our media. And so there's movies that, that encourage us to dream, to wish, to set our hearts on whatever we desire. Here's a picture of Pinocchio. Uh, well, this is Geppetto. And, you know, we get this, when I wish, when you wish upon a star, ideology. I mean, this is what we kind of grow up hearing. And it's, again, it's throughout our movies. We're even told that some dreams are so powerful that even love shouldn't stand, you know, in the way. I don't know if you saw La La Land, but uh, there's, a, there's a clash here in this movie. I'm not going to spoil the movie for you, so, um, but there, there's, it's about the dreams that people pursue. Everything in life sort of builds around or builds towards the dreams of the future. And most of us, it just feels natural to, to allow ourselves to drift into the clouds because from like the classroom, basically from really early on, we are, are, are told to pursue our passions, to pursue our dreams, to go after it. And, and for most of us, just it feels natural to, to dream and what, what was your dream growing up? Did anybody want to be a lawyer, for example? Did anybody want to be a doctor? Okay, we had a lawyer last. Did anybody want to be the president of the United States? Okay, got one in the back. <laughs> there was one last service, service, too. What about, does anybody want to be like an astronaut? Okay. Okay. Anything really random? You don't want to admit it. <laughs> Anybody want to, like, dunk? I wanted to dunk. That would never happen. <laughs> I wanted to be a, a, anybody want to be a sports star? A handful of, of you. I wanted to be that. It was pretty short-lived for me. I distinctly remember just how short-lived it is to, like, win a season, get a trophy, set it on the shelf, and be like, yeah, that was short-lived. I mean, that was exciting, but the the luster is gone. I'm going to have to go back out there and, and and try again, maybe next season, maybe some some other award or trophy or medal will will bring it together. But you know, I just I couldn't find that any of those things were really that satisfying. And, and the idea of chasing our dreams and experiencing a never ending need for more this is really captured throughout our culture. In fact, it's it's like I said, it's just 
throughout so many of our movies. Uh, the movie The Greatest Showman, or Showman, was, was I think, uh, a recent film that captured this idea and of chasing your dream and experiencing this. I, I've got to have more. There's something out there for me that will really satisfy. Now, the thing about this movie is the songs never get out of your head. <laughs> so they get stuck in your head. So we're going to get one stuck in your head right now, probably. Because uh, so this is a musical, and I'm going to show you a couple scenes from this musical. The first one is a lady singing a song that I think really captures the heart of, of this movie. And the movie was inspired by P.T. Barnum's creation of Barnum and Bailey's Circus. And all through this movie, you see this, these characters, and especially this man who is pursuing his dream. And he's just not satisfied. But the, the title to this song that this opera singer is going to sing is called Never Enough. But the lyrics will be up on the screen so you can, you can read and think about uh, how these lyrics really are expressed through our culture. So let's, let's watch. singing that over and over in case you're wondering <laughs> it's not enough it's not enough i mean she said all the spotlights can be on her and it's not enough or or all the piles of gold it's not enough what does that do for you i mean to hear that i mean some of you might say you know what that's right i've not yet found what i'm looking for but i know it's out there i know it's out there somewhere or yeah that describes the emptiness of all of my accomplishments. I've achieved so much, yet it's still not enough. It seems like that clip really describes our normal pursuit in life, which centers around a question, what, what's in it for me? And we typically ask this question and lock onto a dream, lock onto a goal, have a personal focus or ambition. What's in it for me? Where does this come from? Genesis 3, we've been tracing in this series back to uh, the first few chapters of the Bible, and in the beginning, 
you can trace back to the Garden of Eden where God made the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, gave them an assignment, which was really an invitation that God uh, provided, an invitation for these people, Adam and Eve, to work with God and to be used in the world. And God gave them direction and he gave them a boundary. He said, this is what I want you to do with your lives. This is what I want you to focus your life on. But then he gave them a specific boundary. He said, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil. If you eat from it, you will surely die. So he gives them direction and a boundary. But look at Genesis 3, verse 6. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. This is the tree that's off limits. This is out of bounds. But Eve sees that the tree was good for food, was pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. We could sum this up by saying that, there, that she's looking at saying, saying, I know I can have most of this garden. I know I can have all of this stuff out here, but it's not enough. I want, I want more. I want this. That looks really good. I desire that. And so it says she took some. She ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And since then, this has played out since the garden throughout every generation. In fact, King Solomon, the third, so speed forward in history, in human history, and the third king in Israel named Solomon identified with this desire for more. And he noted in his own uh, experience, and we, we have the book Ecclesiastes that we're going to look at some passages from, that he just couldn't find anything in life that satisfied him. He, could not, he couldn't ever have it all come together with his pursuits. And he's the king. He, because he's the king, he has the resources to get anything he wants. He has all the power, all the resources. And so he starts testing to see, well, maybe it is out there somewhere. But he learned that arriving on empty is common after the pursuit of some things. He, just, he kept finding that it's empty. It's empty. I, I chased after this. I couldn't find it. And so let's look at some of the things he chased after. These are on your listening guide here that, that was in the program. Arriving on empty is common after the pursuit of pleasure. This is something he discovers. Pleasure. And so he, here's the passage from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1, and then verse 10. It says, I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But... That also proved to be meaningless. It says in verse 10, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Basically, nothing is off limits. He said, I, I, I had everything I wanted. If I saw anything, if I saw anyone, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Nothing was off limits. I refused my heart no pleasure. He tried it all, but everything, but every pleasure totally left him unfulfilled. Nothing, nothing really has, has changed. And so we're tempted to pursue pleasure still. We're tempted to pursue things that are out of bounds, whether sexual pleasure out, out, outside of marriage, whether drugs, excessive alcohol, just to name a few, only to find ourselves arriving at the same conclusion that, that Solomon arrived at, which was, well, I tried that, and that proved to be empty. So we reach for more. We go, we go looking in some other area, but we find out, man, that also proved to be meaningless as well. And don't think, well, it's, this is just what young people do. This is, you know, or if, you're, if you are young and you're in your teens or in your 20s, don't think like, when I hit 30, all the desires will go away. 
Just ask someone in their 30s and 40s if that happened, or in their 60s and 70s. But no, the desire for pleasure is still there. It doesn't go away. So it can creep up in our 40s. It can creep up in our 60s and beyond, but the results remain the same. When we chase after pleasure, you find that it's still, it's, that doesn't fully satisfy. There's still a desire for more. What about this area? Solomon found the same result when it came to advancement. If I just kind of climb the ladder of success, so you have Ecclesiastes 2, verses uh, 4 and 5. It says, Solomon, he wrote, I undertook great projects. I built for myself, I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. In verse 9, he writes, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. Greater than, you know, his father, King David. Great, greater than anyone that had ever come before. He says, I mean, I, I was at the pinnacle. Yet, verse 11, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Have you ever been able to catch the wind? I mean, you can't do it. And that's what he's describing. It's sort of this empty pursuit. You're never able to grasp it. And that's what it was like trying to grasp. Pleasure and be satisfied. Advancement and be satisfied. He just couldn't do it. It's never enough. So he's like, I just kept building. But my hands were still empty. Our own pursuits. I mean, is it going to be maybe the next goal or the next sale or, or maybe working our way up the ladder? I, I want to I run the team. I'm tired of being on the team. I want to run the team. Now, now I want to lead the company. No, I need to own the place. Now I need to multiply and expand, and, and I need to build an empire, and, and on and on and on. The advancements still don't satisfy. When we launched this church, it was like, initially it was, are we going to get this thing off the ground? And then, before we knew it, a decade had gone by. When we celebrated our 10-year anniversary uh, in, in uh, 2018, and at our anniversary, it was a really exciting day. We had a baptism. It was really encouraging. But by the next morning, Monday came. <laughs> and it was back to work, head to the office, kind of a normal day. And I'm sure it's the same in your life. I mean, in your line of work. I'm sure there's things that you think, oh, when I just hit that point, it'll, it'll come together and just doesn't. Moms, it's like, I can't wait till they feed themselves. I can't wait till they walk. I can't wait till they till they run and then ride and then drive. It's encouraging, but again, it's not enough. Dad's the same thing goes on in our hearts with different things for our, for our children. And, and I, I want them to achieve and, and hit those goals and, and, and make a mark, but it's just, it's just not enough. And so Solomon makes that conclusion. So maybe riches, maybe riches. Solomon looks at this area and he says, maybe, maybe this will bring it together, money. Look at these verses, chapter 5. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Isn't that a depressing statement? Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. How much is enough? Just a little more, right? Just a little more. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless, Solomon I mean, he's got it all. It's still not enough. Can you imagine the person that has? People, people traveled from other countries to see Solomon's riches and wealth. It was so impressive. It wasn't enough. 
Look at verse 11. As goods increase, the more I get, so do those who consume them. What benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. It's really hard, he's saying, to relax and enjoy when you have a lot. Because you're trying to protect it all. You're trying to secure it all. You're trying to insure it all. You're trying to maintain it all. The more you get, the more you've got to worry about. And we could add to this list of things that Solomon says that he had chased after. We try to get our fill of, but we find out, man, we're not full. Here, now, here's, here's back to that movie, The Greatest Showman. The, the main character playing P.T. Barnum, he still believes that chasing his dream is worth sacrificing everything for. And so we have this scene where he, he's about to get into a carriage with that opera singer and go on like a world tour. And his wife and him are having a conversation. And, and you'll see what he's wrestling with here. So let's, let's take a look. First it was buying a house on the same street as my parents, then meeting the queen, then bringing Jenny Lynn, then my father the other night. When will it ever be enough for you? I'm doing this for Caroline and Helen. Look around you. They have everything. You don't understand. I do understand. No, you don't understand. How could you? My father was treated like dirt. I was treated like dirt. My children will not be. You don't need everyone to love you, Finn. Just a few good people. I know that. about to burst into song for real <laughs> some of you know the song by heart <laughs> this is this movie he, he just he's chasing his dream all through this movie you see him chasing his dream only to discover that's not enough and he, he learns some things through that and there's usually only room for one dream per family unit or for a group of friends. You know, as difficult as when you see in a family uh, a couple of dreams that are competing and clashing. Doesn't work, does it? And so whose dream, whose dream wins in your family, in your friendship circle? I mean, that's, that's what this, I think, gets to the heart of. If we decide to start building our own kingdom and empire... And everybody has to sort of get on board with that. Everybody has to, to get around and support that. So if it's one individual of the family and everyone circles around them and worships what they're dreaming about and, and pushes that forward, then that, that drives a direction for the family. But if it's one of those things, advancement, pleasure, riches, or other things on that list that we could add, it's you find out, we save ourselves, we save ourselves lots of time just to recognize there are some empty pursuits that we chase after. And oftentimes, on the way to our dream, we burn through all sorts of relationships and we hurt all sorts of people, like you saw on that, on that clip. Why do we do this? 
It's because we think these pursuits really will lead to joy if we pick the right one. And we say, well, this would be better, my life would be better if I just had this, or this situation was better. This is situation-dependent joy. And God isn't against situational joy, but he wants us to have a deeper, greater joy. And so Jesus invites us to live for something much greater. He invites us to live for God's kingdom. He wants us to, 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 to not even build around one member of the family's dream. It's that, that dream in, in the family is not great enough. It's not big enough. It's not going to have the impact. Jesus invites us to go after God's kingdom and to center our family life around God's kingdom. And this is what Jesus continually invited people to experience. He called them to something known as the abundant life. He says, you follow me? He can put life together, life to the fullest. In fact, lots of people started following Jesus. And even some of the, there was one point where the Jews, some Jews started following Jesus, and then some Greeks started wanting to follow Jesus. And they, they went to one of Jesus' followers and said, hey, we want to see Jesus. Because Jesus is sort of on the rise and in fame and notoriety. Everyone was looking Everyone was looking for him, and things were really looking up for his disciples because they knew Jesus so well. And it seemed like, wow, we're friends with the big guy, and he's on the rise. But then Jesus makes these statements. This is to his disciples in reply to the attention he's getting. He says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. What is that about, Jesus? People wanting to talk to you because you're so famous and you're on the rise and you're saying kernels need to fall off and die on the ground? What are you talking about? Here he's using an agricultural analogy. And he's saying to have a rich harvest, to have a fruitful life, seeds must fall to the ground and die. Otherwise, they remain single seeds alone. And so to have the impact, something has to, has to fall and die, and it goes in the ground, and it multiplies from the ground. We know how that works agriculturally, right? But each single seed really represents people and their individual lives and their individual ambitions and what Jesus is saying. And in a few different places, Jesus introduces this paradoxical principle, and the principle is this is that death is the way to life. Death is the way to life. Jesus' death provided for the opportunity for us to experience eternal life. So he's saying, I'm going to have to die. Unless I die, it won't produce the seeds. And look at verse 25. The man who loves his life will lose it. The one who's trying to grasp onto their dreams, their ambitions, the one who's trying to hold on to that will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus was predicting what was about to come in his death. By his death, the greatest fruit would come, forgiveness of sins once and for all. Millions and millions of people are followers of Christ because Jesus died. He gave up his life. In verse 25 there, that second part of those, that uh, screen up there, Jesus is making a statement about the reality of how life works. If you want to gain and experience the fullness of life, you can't be the center. The key to life is, is, is not to keep our dreams in the center. You can't hold on to your life. In fact, Jesus is saying every day you have to die to your self-will. And you have to live for God's eternal kingdom. If you want to have fullness in life and meaning in life, and so what would it look like to sacrifice 
your dream for, for God's for God's kingdom? What is it in your in your faith that maybe you've put on hold right now in order to to pursue your your dream? Oh, I'll get around to it, God. I, I'm I'm on the track right now. Jesus, he's urging us on, on several levels. One, he's saying, look, build the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of me. Build the kingdom of God. Why? Well, our kingdom is just too small. We can't make that much of an impact alone. Our resources are too few. Our power is too limited. Our motives are too mixed. And this all supports King Solomon's findings. He tried to chase with everything he could after these things, but he concluded the, the, the fruit of this life was eh, it was empty. Fun, money, success. The fruit didn't last. The kingdom of me always comes up empty. And Jesus is providing an invitation to escape from the emptiness. If you want to find lasting satisfaction, build the kingdom of God. Build the kingdom of God. Specifically, help build his church. Cooperate with others who are helping to advance what God wants to do in this world. If you're here in this area, in this community, we would love for you to be a part of what we're doing here. Some ways to do that are, are serve with us. Be a part of what we're doing what does it look like to help build the church? Serving is one way. Serve together and love those within this community. Make time for people in this community. Get involved, even at your own pace. But, but if you're a part of this church family, get involved with us here. Serve. Use your time. Use your energy. Use your skills. Use your gifts to help build God's church. Here's a picture of that 10-year anniversary. For, nearly, for over a decade now, for nearly 12 years now, we've been teaming together to do what a few of us couldn't possibly do on our own. Can you imagine if any of us just decided, I'm going to reach for God. I'm going to reach this community for God all by myself. I mean, how limited a person would be. You actually have to decide to, to, to sort of put to death the, the, the desire for personal fulfillment in order to help multiply kingdom work. It takes working together. It takes banding together, linking arms and doing things we couldn't possibly do as just an individual. And that's, that's the same for a family. It's great to invest in your family, but it's so much more powerful to link with other families who are trying to help move God's kingdom forward. And that's what we want to be, a, be about here. Here's a picture of a, of a group of volunteers to pull off a sports camp that we had last year for this community. It's just an outreach to our community to, to be a blessing, to teach kids sports and some of God's values and some of God's ways. And so for evenings through a week, all sorts of people volunteered their time. This isn't even the full picture of volunteers. We had 140-plus volunteers for our sports camp. We didn't even have that many campers this year. <laughs> we had more volunteers than we had campers. But that's, that's great. It's great that we had so many people that said, hey, I want to serve. I want to help participate in what God is doing here. That's one way to help build the church. Another way is, is uh, participating in giving, giving financially to help support the church. This is really, if you're part of the church family, if you're a guest, then, then you're here and you can listen in, sort of like we're having a, a family conversation. But um, our wallets, our budgets, our spending is an expression of our values. When you look at how you spent your money, it's an expression of, of your values. And when your walk with God grows in value, then what happens is you begin to support his work. You trust him more and more with more of your finances. This is scary. I'll admit it. This is scary. But it's a mark of growing faith. And if, if you've been 
if, if you've been wanting to begin this practice, you don't really know where to start, I would just say start by praying. God, where should I start? How can I begin to um, participate in what God is doing at OCC by supporting the work? If you're married, pray together and then test it out for a season and see what God does both in your heart and even in your personal finances. We think, oh, it'll never add up if I release resources. But it's the same idea of the kernel of wheat. I've got to hold on to this single seed. I want to protect the seed. And Jesus says, release the seed into the ground and it multiplies from there. And this is how God interacts with us in our finances. Is It's a matter of, of growing our faith. Another area to, to help build the church, which is really an eternal endeavor, is, is sharing. Sharing your faith with others. Specifically, just sharing the difference that Christ has made in your life with those around you. People are watching your life. They're seeing the changes, the tweaks that are going on. And as you share about the difference that Jesus is making, it really impacts people. As much as, as much as, if not more than what those of us on stage are saying, because they know your life. And as they see the changes, they can say, wow, that's undeniable, the difference that Jesus has made in him or in her. And so share your, share your life with others. Share your faith with them. Invite people around all summer. In fact, this summer we've got some great connecting opportunities uh, for the congregation. So there's some different ways to take steps to move away from just building our own personal kingdoms to build God's kingdom. And these are ways to counter uh, the emptiness. One final thought on this is to remain in Christ for lasting fulfillment. Just to stay connected to him. He's the source for us. So remain in Christ. Look at John 15, verse 5. Jesus, he taught this. He said, I am the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Meaning lasting, multiplying fruit. But apart from me, you can't do anything. We try. We think, well, I'm going to try for a while on my own. And we, we arrive empty. But if we just remain in him... Stay connected through relying on his help through the resources he gives, uh, the scripture and prayer, fellowship. Those are ways we remain in Christ. And whenever we feel empty and frustrated, it really is a sign that we've gotten ourselves back into a a place of self-focus or just expectations. And so we all want to have a fruitful life. We all want something to show for our time on this earth. So God invites us to participate with him on a much deeper level. I want to invite our worship team back up to the stage. And there's some next steps. You can pull those up on the screen right now. And any of these, I'll remain in Christ this week by, or I'll build God's kingdom. Maybe consider, what is God saying to you this morning? What is it maybe that has challenged you from the scripture this morning as we've looked at this together? How do you think God would want you to respond to him today? Let's pray as we continue. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. God, we pray for all those parents once again, just that you'd strengthen them to play their role well, or that they would keep taking steps forward with you. We pray for all the moms. We pray that you would refresh and encourage them today. Lord, I pray that you would, even just in this, just in their heart, Lord, that they would know that, you bring meaning as they cooperate with you and pour out their lives for the people around them. Lord, I pray that today that they would be encouraged, that they would be um, helped, 
they would find uh, a renewal, Lord, in their inner spirit, Lord, to just keep moving forward in that role. Strengthen the ones that are tired, God, the ones that have young children, or the, ones, the ones that are having uh, just challenges, Lord, in, in this season of life and learning as moms. We just pray that you would really work in their lives and in their hearts today. And for all of us here in this room, God, would you help us to live for more than just uh, personal ambition. Lord, help us to live for more than just self-will and dreams. Lord, help us to join you, God, and, and accept your invitation to be a part of something greater than just our own lives. Lord, help us to build your kingdom. We need your help to stay locked on and focused on that. So would you help us, even as a church, Lord, we pray as an organization, Lord, that we would be about uh, multiplying your kingdom work. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.